O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. Yet in thy dark street shineth the everlasting light, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. Christmas Day is at the end of this week. Can you believe it? We're, 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 we're just about here. And, and then next week is New Year's. And, and as we approach these days, I, I just want to take a moment and, and you know, wherever you are, uh, watching online or sitting here, I want you to think back to this day a year ago, Christmas and New Year's. 2020 is just on the horizon. We're about to head into this new year. And as you think back to that day, has 2020 gone anything like you ever imagined? Hmm. Not at all, right? I mean, it's hard to believe that a year ago, we, we had no idea, no clue about what the year ahead was going to hold, right? I mean, what hopes did you have for 2020? As you were sitting there on, on, on the threshold of a new year, what were you hoping for? Travel plans? Maybe personal goals? Other kinds of, of possibilities? And how many of those were just completely upended? Just completely undone? Canceled plans? Uncertain things? Right? Now, now a, a step further. How many of those hopes were not only upended, but actually replaced by fear? And, and I don't just mean some kind of cowardly fear. I, I mean real and very legitimate fear. I mean, instead of that vacation you were planning this year, at this point, just going out to the grocery store carries some measure of risk, doesn't it? Right? And, and that all just has to do with the virus. But I mean, the rest of life has still gone on. I mean, I mean some of you this year have, have had to say goodbye to parents. Some of you have, have met uh, this year a life-altering illness that you're still grappling with, still unsure of, of, of what that holds. Some of you are still facing many of the challenges that you've always faced and, and wrestled with. And so hopes and fears abound. And that's just the hopes and fears of 2020 right? You see, today, I want to talk about the place where the hopes and fears of all the years are met. So if you have your Bible, 
you can open up to Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 is where we're headed today. Throughout the season of Advent, we've been reflecting on all of these different traditional texts from the book of Isaiah. And so today, we're going to continue doing this with Isaiah chapter 9, which speaks of darkness and the hope of light. And as you can see from our candles here, we've arrived at the fourth Sunday of Advent. So the, the fourth Sunday, you know, the season that began in darkness is now glowing with the glimmer of light. And this is really what Advent is, is all about. In, in the midst of the darkness of our fears, we wait and we hope for the coming of light. So some of you may know tomorrow is going to be the longest night of the year. Tomorrow is going to be the longest night of the year. And so it is precisely during this time of darkness that we light candles. Right in the middle of this darkness, we remember that the light of the world has come to dwell with us in this darkness. It's precisely this time of year that we sing that song, O little town of Bethlehem. In thy dark streets shineth the everlasting light. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in thee tonight. And so let's read together from Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born to us, a son given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders, and he is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. 
This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for the words of your scripture and for giving us the light of hope in the midst of the darkness of our fear. I pray as we consider the words of your scripture today that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, this is a traditional text this time of year for for obvious reasons. Can't you hear it? Right? You hear verse 6, and immediately that song starts to play. For unto us a child is born, right? This, This is a song this time of year. You hear those words, and the image of the nativity pops into your mind with the manger and and the shepherds and and, and all of that. But before we head off to the little town of Bethlehem, we need to consider these words as Isaiah spoke them. Because the passage does foreshadow that Bethlehem night. But before that, it spoke directly to the hopes and the fears of the people of Israel. And and what what were their hopes and their fears? Well, well, they go all the way back to Genesis chapter 12, whenever God first called Abraham to follow him. And God told him, I am going to bless you. I'm going to make you into a great nation, and I'm going to give you a great name. All right, you're going to be blessed and fruitful and known. This is what God promises. The covenant that God enters into with Abraham becomes the foundation of Israel's hope. This is their great hope. And God keeps his promise. I mean, even when Abraham and his wife Sarah grow old, still without any children, God miraculously brings about the birth of Isaac. And this promise unfolds as Abraham begins to become a nation through the birth of his son. Then centuries later, uh, when their descendants are enslaved in Egypt, God acts again. Through Moses, God delivers them from their oppressors. And then through Joshua, God leads them into the promised land to have for their own. And then ultimately through David, God establishes a great kingdom. I mean, truly, God has blessed them, has made them into a nation, and has made their name great. This is the promise that God had to Abraham and continued to fulfill time and time again. And it's the hope that they clung to. But as we read this in Isaiah, what event is it that looms behind all the words of the prophets? It's exile, right? We've been talking about this. It's the event 
of exile. I mean, after years of living as their own people, dwelling in their own land, and ruling their own kingdom, all of their hopes are upended. Their cities are invaded. Their people are scattered. And in the place of all of their hopes, fear sets in, begins to take root. And so if their great hope was to be blessed, well then, their great fear is to be oppressed. If the the opposite of becoming a great nation is to be killed, right? And destroyed. The opposite of having a great name among the nations is to be dishonored among the nations, right? These become their fears, fear of oppression, fear of warfare, fear of utter destruction and death. And that's exactly what happened to them in exile. All of their fears seemed to come true, and all of their hopes got further and further away. This is exactly what happened in exile as they walked in darkness. And what does the prophet do in the long night of exile? Well, he begins lighting candles, right? He begins speaking words of light and words of hope. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of of deep darkness, on them, light has shined. And then in verse 3, he begins to talk about these hopes that they have. He speaks once more of a multiplied nation. He speaks once more of God's blessing on them as the people rejoice before you, before God, as with joy at the harvest. He speaks of victory and celebration, exulting rather than defeat and destruction. Now, why all of this celebrating among the people? I mean, where does this light come from in the middle of their darkness? Well, we're usually very quick to jump down to verse 6 and start singing that song, right? For unto us a child is born. But if you look at the passage, verse 6 is actually the last in a list of three acts of deliverance. There are three fours in this passage. Right? Why do the people celebrate? Well, in verse 4, it is for the burdens are broken. In verse 5, for the boots are being burned. And in verse 6, for the baby is born. Right? These three acts speak directly to the people's fears and remind them of their hope in God. 
And so let's, let's look at each of these, verse 4, 5, and 6, these great acts of deliverance. In, in exile, the people feared oppression as their enemies ruled over them. But what does the prophet say? He says, do not fear. For the yoke of your burden, the bar across your shoulder, the rod of your oppressor is broken. See, just like the oppression of Egypt was broken in the day of the Exodus, or, as he mentions here, just like Midian was overcome when the people entered their promised land, God will deliver you again, the prophet says in the midst of their darkness. So celebrate, for your burden is broken. And then next, in, in exile, the people feared war as their enemies overtook them and killed them. But the prophet says, do not fear. For all the boots of the tramping warriors, all the blood-stained garments will be burned in fire. In other words, there is coming a day when you won't only not be oppressed, but also you won't even have to fight. All the tools and the gear of the warriors can be destroyed and burned in the fire because warfare has come to an end. The day of fighting is over. So celebrate because the boots are burned. And these are good news, right? This is such good news. These are words of hope. But the last one is the best of all. Because in exile, the people not only feared oppression and war, they feared death itself and the very real possibility of extinction that they might no longer be a people or a nation. We're all just going to die out here. It's the end of our story, right? The end of, of this supposedly great nation, the end of God's promises and blessings, the very end of hope itself. But what does the prophet say? Do not fear. For a child has been born to us. A son is given to us. Authority rests on his shoulders, and his kingdom will never come to an end. You see, not only will your oppression end, not only will you no longer have to fight, you will actually flourish. You're not going extinct. A baby is born. A new generation is beginning. God has not forgotten you. He is still faithful to his promise. And so you can still hope. Put your hope in him. I mean, after all, who is the one that he says will accomplish this? It's the Lord of hosts, 
will do this. Right? God is the one who will do this. So do not fear. Hope in him. This is the words of the prophet to the people in exile. In the darkness of exile, the prophet offers light. To their greatest fears, he speaks hope. God will do this. And I am confident that the prophet absolutely believed that God would do this. But I doubt that the prophet came close to imagining just how it is that God would do this. I mean, that the child who is born would not only be a sign of hope from God, but actually God himself entering into time and space to be the hope of his people, right? To be the light in the darkness, right? That these names given to the child are not only given to him in honor of God, but are given to the child who is God. And this is the mystery of Christmas. This is the longing that this season of Advent points to, that God would come to us, that God would come to dwell with us, not abstractly, but personally and truly come to be with us, to light our darkness. And this is what Jesus has done. This is who Jesus is. Jesus comes to us, God in the flesh, to fulfill the longing words of hope that this prophet has spoken. And truly, he has fulfilled it. For in Jesus, the yoke of burden, the rod of the oppressor, has been broken. Just as we sing this time of year, in his name, all oppression shall cease. Instead of the heavy burden of oppression, Jesus calls, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus comes to break oppression, to take our burdens, and to replace our fears with hope. In Jesus, the boots of warriors and the bloodstained garments are finally destroyed. At his arrival, what is it that the angels sing? Peace, peace on earth. Jesus didn't come to trample his enemies and make war, but rather to transform his enemies and make peace. 
And most unexpected of all, Jesus destroys the trampling boots by being trampled by them. He burns all of those blood-stained garments by shedding his own blood. Through his death, Jesus brings life. By his wounds, we are healed. Because Jesus has come, we can truly declare peace on earth, goodwill to all. Because he has made peace by his blood on the cross. And then finally, well, in Jesus, a child has been born to us. A son has been given to us. No longer does the rod of the oppressor lay on our shoulders because authority rests on his shoulders. And we worship him as wonderful counselor, as mighty God, as everlasting father and prince of peace, the true ruler and king. And so we pray for his kingdom to come. We pray for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we are invited to join him in this work of justice and righteousness as we see his kingdom and await his return. The hopes and the fears of all the years are met in him. Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, God in the flesh who has come to dwell with us in the midst of our darkness. He is the light. So I want to ask you, as we come to the threshold of another Christmas and New Year's, what are your hopes? What are your fears? After this year, is, is there even any point in hoping? Do you feel hopeless and afraid? Does life feel dark? If it does, that's okay. Because what has the prophet said? It's the people who walked in darkness who have seen a great light. It's in the midst of death that we find and discover life. And so perhaps this darkness is precisely the right place to be as we wait for his light to dawn. As you consider all of these things, what are the fears eating at your heart that we can give to God? What are those things we can let go of as God's people? To trust him in the midst of anxiety 
in the midst of depression, in the midst of loss and fear. God invites us to call on him, the mighty God, everlasting Father. As we come to this new year, what are the hopes that we can find in him? What are the hopes that are met in him tonight? He is our wonderful counselor. He is our prince of peace. He invites us to transform our hopes and let go of things that maybe we shouldn't have been hoping in at all. But he gives us true hopes that we know will come. Just like Israel so long ago, we've been lost in this sort of exile called 2020. And it's easy to find ourselves hopeless and afraid. But the prophet calls to us just like he called to them. And so maybe now is the time for us to hope all the more. Maybe now is the time for us to return to God. Now is the time to grow more deeply in him and the life that he offers. Now is the time to turn toward one another, reconnect with community, the people of God. For the burdens are broken. The boots are burned, and a baby is born. Jesus Christ our Savior, the hopes and fears of all the years are met in him. May it be so. Amen.